listening to the March Mania Show podcast, presented by DirecTV. Only at DirecTV you can get the ultimate bundle, which includes DirecTV internet and phone. Get DirecTV plus internet and phone service from AT&T for one low price. You can switch today by calling 1-800-796-5797. DirecTV, now part of the AT&T family. This is the March Mania Show podcast with Billy Derrick and Charlie Sheridan. You can follow us on Twitter at Derek underscore Billy at CF Kickoff Show and at SA Sports Blitz. Also on Facebook, College Football Kickoff Show with Billy Derrick and Charlie Sheridan. Good day and welcome into another edition of the March Mania Show podcast. This is edition number three here on a wonderful Sunday morning in Nashville, Tennessee. Today's show is sponsored by Regions Bank. Make every day feel like game day with Regions Bank. Ask them how you can get your official SEC check card. Want to support your SEC team wherever you go? Then put the SEC Regions Bank check card in your wallet. There's never been a better way to show your school spirit than with the SEC check card with a Regions Bank checking account. Visit a branch, call 1-800-REGIONS, or go to regions.com slash SEC. Regions Bank, the official bank of the SEC. All right, that's our sponsor for today's show. And now we're uh, going to get to the college basketball talk. Well, coming up a little bit later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Greg Peterson. He is a nationally renowned college basketball bracketology expert. We're going to talk all things about uh, March Madness and the bubble, obviously today being the uh, Selection Sunday. Selection Sunday show starting at 4.30 today on CBS. We were loaded with conference championship games yesterday, and uh, we also uh, we have uh, several of them uh, today as well. We're going to start by recapping the ones from yesterday. Starting in the Big 12, it's the Big 12 Men's Championship Final. It was last night. It was a dandy until the very end when Kansas pulled away. Number one, Kansas beating number nine, West Virginia, 81-71. to Kansas is now 30-4, and 15-3 and in the Big 12, and they defeated number nine, West Virginia, 26, who is 26-8, and 13-5 in the Big 12. Devontae Graham finished out as the most outstanding player of the Big 12 tournament. He finished this game with 27 points, uh, 5 rebounds. Devin Williams, if any of you watched the game last night, he was tremendous for West Virginia. He finished with 31 points, 10 rebounds. Devin Williams, he is going to be a threat for the West Virginia um, Mountaineers coming up in uh, the NCAA tournament. So that was the Big 12 title game yesterday. Meanwhile, in the Big 10 men's tournament, it was the semifinal between number two Michigan State and number 18 Maryland. Michigan State edged the Terrapins by three, 64-61. The Spartans are now 28 and five. Maryland moves to 25 and eight. Denzel Valentine had 18 points and 10 assists and seven rebounds to lead number two Michigan State past Maryland. Robert Carter for Maryland led the Terps with 18 points and 8 rebounds as well. So that was a very another very entertaining Big Ten men's uh, semifinal. The other semifinal yesterday in the Big Ten was uh, between number 13 Purdue and Michigan. Purdue ended up pulling away late. They won it 76 to 59. The Boilermakers are now 26 and 7. Michigan falls to 22 and 12. And according to Joe Lenardi, they are sitting right on the bubble as one of the last four teams in the tournament. A.J. Hammonds had a great game yesterday for Purdue. He helped the Boilermakers hold off the Wolverines. A.J. Hammonds, 27 points, 11 rebounds. Derek Walton Jr. did 
um, a lot for Michigan, 14 points, 5 assists, but it was not quite enough for the Wolverines as they fall to Purdue, 76-59, to and that sets up today's Big Ten title game between number 13, Purdue, and number 2, Michigan State. Definitely going to be an entertaining game there on CBS today. The two SEC men's tournament semifinals were also yesterday. Number 16, Kentucky, defeated Georgia 93-80. to It was a whole lot better than the first one. Kentucky rallied towards the end. It was a very um, hard-fought game. Georgia give a lot of credit to Mark Fox and the, and the Georgia Bulldogs because they battled all the way through. Kentucky improves to 25-8 and on the year. Georgia now 19-13. and Jamal Murray... The uh, All-SEC uh, selection, 26 points, 6 rebounds. What a perform performance from that backcourt, Jamal Murray and Tyler Eulis. Eulis also had 25. And uh, meanwhile, for the Georgia Bulldogs, J.J. Frazier, 19 points and 5 assists. He tried to battle the Georgia Bulldogs um, back in it there towards the end, but Kentucky was just too much for the Bulldogs. Uh, meanwhile, in the other SEC semifinal, it was the early one before the Kentucky-Georgia game. It was number 17 Texas A&M taking on Ben Simmons and the LSU Tigers. And many of us heading into this one thought it was going to be a great game, very entertaining, but it was not at all. It was the exact opposite. A&M beating LSU 71-38. to Absolutely mind-boggling because of the fact that LSU is, bat is fighting for their lives for an NCAA tournament chance. But they just blew it yesterday. A&M improves to 26-7. LSU now 19-14. I mean, A&M just throttled Ben Simmons and LSU. Um, I mean, it just looked like LSU came with no energy. They did not play with any energy at all. Ben Simmons had 10 points and 12 rebounds, another double-double. But his team isn't going to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, that, that that's that's a big blow for LSU. And Johnny Jones is in danger of losing his job right now because he had one of the most talented teams he has ever had and he is not able to coach them up and lead them uh, to the NCAA tournament. Tony Trocha Morelos led the Aggies with 13 points and 3 rebounds. Jalen Jones also had 10 points for the Aggies. Very balanced scoring attack yesterday in the semifinal. So that was the semifinal. Texas A&M and Kentucky are actually currently in action right now. It is halftime with A&M up by 4. So uh, that, that's going to be an interesting game. See how that one files out later today. Now let's talk about some of the games today around Conference Championship Week. We mentioned A&M and, and Kentucky going on right now. We also talked. We also touched on Purdue and Michigan State. Number two, Michigan State taking on number thirteen, Purdue, um, at two o'clock p.m. Central Time on CBS in Indianapolis at Bankers Live Fieldhouse. Michigan State favored by five to win this one tonight. Uh, the Spartans looking for their 29th win of the year. Purdue's been being being led by A.J. Hammonds, that, that front court with Isaac Haas and Hammonds. He's been averaging 15 points and 8 rebounds. Denzel Valentine, possibly uh, on the Wooden Award watch list, averaging 20 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. I mean, those types of numbers with that stat line. Uh, Denzel Valentine is a tough player to guard because he scores, he rebounds, and he goes out and passes for his team. Meanwhile, in the uh, Atlantic 10 Men's Championship, this one is going on right now. St. Joseph's up big on VCU. And in the Sunbelt Conference Men's Championship final, it is Arkansas Little Rock leading Louisiana Monroe 41-37. to And also, a little bit later today at 2.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN down in Orlando, Florida, it's the American Men's Championship game between Connecticut and Memphis. 
Connecticut, a team who is battling for their chances in the NCAA tournament. If Memphis wins this one, they also get in. So that Memphis, a potential bid stealer. So bubble teams are not rooting for Memphis today. All right, now uh, here in just a moment, we're going to be joined by Greg Peterson. He is a bracketology expert. But let's talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament, look, uh, look ahead to uh, some of the bubble teams and which bubble teams might uh, squeeze into the tournament. Right now, according to Joe Lenardi, the last four in, the last four teams in the tournament that he, has, that he is predicting on ESPN.com is Temple, Michigan, San Diego State, and St. Mary's. His first four out, Monmouth, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Syracuse. So there's your last four in and first four out. My thinking is that Vanderbilt gets in ahead of St. Mary's. I don't think St. Mary's gets in. I don't think Monmouth gets in the tournament either. I think it's going to be Temple, Michigan, um, Syracuse, and Vanderbilt as the last four teams in. I, I disagree with Joe Lenardi right there. It's going to be very interesting to see who and um, and just how the selection committee uh, selects uh, the teams today for for the selection show. Um, the last four buys, according to Joe Lenardi, Connecticut, Pittsburgh, St. Bonaventure, and Cincinnati. The four number one seeds, according to two Lenardi, is Kansas, North Carolina, Michigan State, and Virginia. So there's your bubble talk for, for today. We're, we're going to be talking a whole lot more about the bubble and the bracketology with Greg Peterson coming up. We are now joined by Greg Peterson. He is a nationally renowned bracketology expert. He is. Uh, uh, you can log on to his website, get all the bracketology news and notes on dudesonsports.com. Greg Peterson joining us here on the show. Greg, how you doing? I am doing good. It's been a wild and crazy couple of days, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yes, it has. This, this has to be the busiest day of, 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 of the year for you, definitely Selection Sunday. Busiest and most exciting. You got so much going on because you need to have your final bracket done before the selection show and everything, but you get to feel rewarded when you get to see all the teams that you got right and or feel disappointed when you see that, oh, the selection committee did not agree with me on Temple or something like that, but yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. It, yeah. def it definitely is. It always is every single year. Selection Sunday, uh, the show on CBS starts at uh, 4.30. That's when you can start watching it. Greg, before we sort of dive into all the bubble teams right now, um, you know, j this is kind of a, you know, kind of a weird question, but um, what is the main criteria, you know, what are the main two or three, you know, couple things that the selection committee is, is really looking for uh, when they select the teams? I don't know if you can narrow it down to two or three, but a couple big ones is how you schedule out of conference. There are going to be so many teams that either get into the tournament or get left out based on how they schedule out of conference because it really shows that they want to challenge themselves and they really, they're really not afraid to be able to try to get some of those big wins, even if it does mean sacrificing the record in the process. You take a look at a team like San Diego State, I think they're actually going to get a rewarded today because they played the second toughest out-of-conference schedule in the nation, whereas you take a look at a team like South Carolina, 298th. That is not going to sit well with the committee. You also take a look at obviously overall record, but how you did against like the top 50 and top 100 teams. It varies from resume to resume, but how you did against those better teams really is an indicator of how good of a team you are. I always find that the committee is much more willing to let some of the bad losses go as long as you're able to prove that you're able to beat some of the better teams because there are just days where teams don't have their A game. So I would say that those are a couple of them. 
RPI is still obviously in there, but it feels like it's becoming less and less important over the years. So those, I would say, are the main criteria, but obviously there are so many more, and it's always a team-by-team basis. One of the, one of those bubble teams is the Vanderbilt Commodores, and um, Greg, what's your assessment of the Commodores right now in terms of you know their chances of making it uh, into the NCAA tournament because their loss to Tennessee definitely had to hurt, and, and the and the committee's going to look at that. Oh, they certainly are, and it is going to be a coin toss whether Vanderbilt's going to get into the tournament or not. I currently have them as my first team out. I have Michigan right in front of them. I mean, these two teams are just in a dead heat. Michigan's RPI is a 58, Vanderbilt's is a 60. Both teams have a couple wins over the top 50, but nothing too impressive. I think Vanderbilt has three, meanwhile Michigan has four. But the one thing that stands out is that Tennessee has, or or Vanderbilt has taken three bad losses. Obviously the one to Tennessee, not what you want to be leaving as your final impression to the committee. You don't want to be showing yourselves as a team losing to a sub-500 Tennessee team without their best player. That is not good, obviously. And then the losses of Mississippi State and Arkansas earlier in the year, I think might nip them, nip them in the butt as well. Whereas you look at a team like Michigan, they had 12 losses this year, but their worst loss was to Ohio State, who has an RPI of 72. Vanderbilt has losses to three teams with a worse RPI than that. Actually make that four. So you take a look at that. I currently have Michigan in. It's totally, it's totally possible that Vanderbilt gets in the tournament, but at this point, if I were on the committee... Vanderbilt would be my number one seed for the NIT. Uh, Greg, do you think the committee is going to take in account that Vanderbilt both they beat both Texas A&M and Kentucky at home, and both of those teams are battling for um, the SEC tournament uh, title right now? I certainly will, will, and I think that something you said was very, very key, at home. What is really killing Vanderbilt right now is just the fact that they don't have very many road wins. They have three wins on the road all season long, and one of them came at Auburn when they were just absolutely terrible, so I shouldn't even count. But it's been really a tough go of it for Vanderbilt on the road this year. I mean, on a neutral court, I don't know how neutral you consider Bridgestone Arena, but they even lost to Tennessee there. They were able to get a couple wins at Maui, but those were against Wake Forest and St. John's. Wake Forest was the second-worst team in the ACC. St. John's was just remarkably bad. This is a team that lost by 22 points on their home floor to Incarnate Word. So <laughs> I really think that Vanderbilt is on the outside looking in at this point for those reasons. Uh, Greg, what do, you, what do you think about another bubble team uh, like the Syracuse Orange? I think Syracuse is going to get left out. You can't lose five of your last six games. I know that the committee chair, I forget his name, but he is really making a big case that they're going to evaluate Syracuse in their time without Jim Beheim much like they would a team without their star player. Syracuse won 5-4 and four without Jim Beheim, but on their resume right now, a very awful loss to St. John's. I was just talking about how bad they were before, losing on their home floor to 22 point, by 22 points of incarnate word. Well, Saint Syracuse lost to them. That is not going to be a good mark on your resume. You lose 5 of 6 in conference. I think that the committee is going to reward a team in pit that was able to knock off Syracuse in the ACC tournament. Meanwhile, Syracuse, they had a chance to be able to win the game, could not pull it out. I just I just don't see Syracuse making the NCAA tournament. They also have a 68 RPI. That would be the third highest RPI ever elected in the NCAA tournament as an at-large as well. Big number to note. Greg, uh, sort of moving on from the bubble teams, really diving into the bracketology now. Uh, there's a lot of different analysis on, on, the, on the four number one seeds. Right now, Lenardi has his 
as Kansas, North Carolina, Michigan State, and Virginia. Right now, Greg, uh, do you agree with Lenardi with his assertion of the number one seeds? I agree with three out of the four. I certainly have Kansas. They're going to be the number one overall team. There's no question about that. I also think that Michigan State is going to remain on the one line, given that they win the Big Ten championship. If they don't win the Big Ten championship game and Purdue is able to take that game, then we could see a little bit of a shakeup. I think that North Carolina is also a number one seed, so I'm right there with them there. I beg to disagree on Virginia a little bit, just because we saw what Oregon did in the Pac-12 championship. Oregon has the second-best RPI in the nation. They've been one of the hottest teams in the country the past couple months, and Oregon just absolutely thrashed Utah, a team that had won nine straight games. They beat them by 30 points in the Pac-12 championship game. They really put an explanation point on why they deserve a one seed, but I could see Virginia getting a one seed if Michigan State, as I alluded to earlier, loses in the Big Ten championship game. So it could be entirely possible that those are the four number one seeds, but might be in a little bit of a different way than what we saw at the beginning. Yeah, and when you look at them, Kansas, obviously, and North Carolina, I think, are two locks right there. And then Michigan State, Virginia, you know, you like you said, possibly Oregon. And, Greg, a question I have for you. Do you think, uh, you know, how, well, how, how costly was uh, Villanova's loss to Seton Hall in, in, the Big 12, in the Big East title game? It costed them a one seed, but they're still going to be a two seed. They're still going to be playing out in that Philadelphia pod because they only played three games at the Wells Fargo Center this year. It's very interesting to note that you can't play on a floor that you played on more than three times this year. And typically Villanova plays like five, six games at the Wells Fargo Center. They only played three there this year, planning ahead of time that they would be good enough to be able to get in the spot. So, got to credit the people that made the schedule over there at Villanova, but I don't think that it's going to cost them too much. One seed or two seed. Villanova hasn't really made the most of their opportunities the past couple years. They were upset as a one seed last year against NC State. Two years ago as a two seed against UConn. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. Greg, what about a team like Notre Dame? Uh, Joe Lenardi has them as a seven seed, but honestly, Greg, I think Notre Dame can sneak into that six and possibly maybe a five seed, but I think they could sneak into that six seed range. Uh, what do you think about the Irish right now? I'm torn on putting them as a six or a seven seed right now. I think the, a five seed would be a little bit lofty just because they did get completely blasted by North Carolina, and they have been a little bit consistent this year. They took a couple bad losses. They lost to Alabama in the non-conference schedule in that Avocare Invitational. They also lost to Florida State to end the year. I believe that they also had a loss to Georgia Tech somewhere along the line as well. But this is a team that has knocked off some great teams. They were able to beat Duke twice, including that absolutely thrilling game in the ACC tournament, in which they were able to come back from down 16 points. And this is a team that made the Elite Eight last year. Demetrius Jackson, really nice player. I like Zach August down low. Bonzi Colson, another good player. I think that Notre Dame probably is looking at a six seed right now. I feel like a seven is a little bit too low, but I think a five might be a little bit too lofty. Greg, as we move on in the tournament, who's who's who are a couple teams, maybe a mid-major team, but who are who are a couple uh, maybe higher seeded teams that that you think could could make a run into the Sweet Sixteen and and upset maybe a maybe a one or two seed. We're gonna look at more eight or nine seeds. I would take it, and when you take a look at the eight nine line, there isn't a whole lot that stands out. But I think that USC, if they can get on the right run, can really can really do some damage because USC is a team that had a very bad end to the year. They lost five of their last six games in the Pac-12 regular season. They were able to win a game in the Pac-12 tournament, but this is a team that has a lot of talent, but they're very streaky with their shooting. So 
that's something of concern. If you're looking for more of a set mid-major, how about Gonzaga? I think that they're either going to be a 10 seed or an 11 seed. I moved them up to the 10 line today. And this is a team that many people forget made the Elite Eight last year and nearly made the Final Four, but they were unable to pull it out against Duke. They obviously have had their injuries. Prismeric Karnowski is currently out for the season for them, but they still have Kyle Wilcher. They still have DeMontis Sabonis, so... They've got some really good players along their front line. Josh Perkins is a nice point guard that I like. And Gonzaga is a team that really played well against the against the Power Conference opponents. They actually had a 10-point lead when they played against Arizona earlier this year, but they weren't able to pull it out. I certainly think that this is a team that could make a Sweet 16 run if everything shakes, shakes out just right. Yeah, when you look at Gonzaga, they're a team that really revived their season in the WCC tournament. Um, you know, they, they ended up uh, beating, was it BYU in the title game? Uh, St. Mary's. St. Saint, Saint Mary's, okay. They beat St. Mary's, so... Uh, yeah, Gonzaga definitely revived themselves in the uh, in the WCC tournament. Greg, uh, now let's move to an, to uh, the in-state teams right now. What a time to be a college basketball team in the state of Tennessee. There there are three in-state teams in, currently that are locks for the field, all winning their conference championships, UTC, MTSU, and Austin P. So, Greg, if Vanderbilt could in could get in, that'll be four in-state Tennessee teams getting in. What do you think about uh, those three uh, mid-major teams, and which one of them do you, do you think could possibly, you know, make a run? Well, you could have two teams actually win a game by default. I think Austin P is going to be going to Dayton, and as it stands, it would be a win in the NCAA tournament. So I think that Austin P has a chance to win, but they're going to be a 16 seed likely heading to Dayton. I just don't really think that MTSU has much of a chance of being able to pull an upset. They're going to be a 14 seed, and they're going to have to play a tough team, maybe like a Maryland, like a West Virginia. I just don't think that MTSU necessarily matches up. They actually do have an interesting transfer from Arkansas coming in, a forward, I believe it is. He was actually a part of that unfortunate counterfeit money scandal, but I think that MTSU, their run is going to come next year. They were a little bit early this year, and they got a little bit fortunate with UAB getting bounced from the Conference USA tournament, but... I really like what they're doing over there. I remember when they got the at-large a couple years back, but Chattanooga is a team that I think could be very, very dangerous. This is a team that won on the road in double overtime against Georgia to begin their year. They also have a really nice coach, Matt McCall. He was actually an assistant under Billy Donovan for many years, and he's done a very good job of picking up where Will Wade left off, who is now at BCU. And this is a team that won 29-5. and They had that win over Georgia that I mentioned. They also defeated Dayton. And they also have defeated Illinois, so they are able to hang with the big boys. Turnovers have been a little bit of an issue with this team, but I think that they're going either going to get a 12 or a 13 seed, looking a little bit more like a 12 at this point, and that will put them up against a team, let's see here, maybe like a Seton Hall. I certainly think that they have the chance to be able to beat a team like that. So I think that Chattanooga is your best bet if you're looking for a team to get a win in the tournament. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch all those three teams. Congrats to all the coaches, Kermit Davis, Dave Luce, and Matt McCall, all those in-state teams, hoping that Kevin Stallings and the Commodores can get into the tournament. Uh, Greg, speaking of the state of Tennessee, there's a great SEC title game going on right now down in Nashville at Bridgestone Arena, Kentucky and Texas A&M in an absolute dogfight, still about 10 minutes left. Um, Greg, what do you think about these two teams? You know, Kentucky, a team that could be very dangerous, maybe even a Final Four team, but in terms of the SEC, not only these two teams, but, you know, is, is it only going to be two teams getting in uh, in the SEC? 
right now I'm only seeing two teams, which I think is absolutely shocking because there were so many times throughout the year that I had four or five teams in there. I thought that Florida was a was an NCAA tournament team for the longest time. South Carolina I did as well, but if you're going to vote in one of those three teams, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, or or um, Florida, I would certainly put Vanderbilt in there just because South Carolina played absolutely nobody in their out-of-conference schedule. I mentioned it a couple minutes ago, and it's worth noting again. South Carolina, they played the non-conference strength of schedule a 298th in the country. Their lone top 50 win was against Texas A&M. So it's a very good top 50 win. But regardless, just one of them, they lost at Mississippi State. They also lost late in the year at Missouri. That is just absolutely inexcusable. I don't think they're going to get in. I think that Florida has a good case. They played the fourth toughest uh, out-of-conference strength of schedule in the country, but they really didn't take advantage of those of those opportunities. They beat a very good St. Joe's team who was able to win the A-10 tournament today, so that definitely helps out their cause a little bit. But other than that, their only win was against West Virginia among the top 50 teams. And West Virginia was out the, was without their starting forward, Jonathan Holton. So that is something to note as well. Also, 14 losses is how many Florida has. That would tie the record for the most losses of any at-large team in the history of the NCAA tournament. So I think that you're really splitting hairs here. But I think that the committee is going to side a little bit more towards the mid-majors this year. Just because the mid-majors did did schedule a lot harder and they took fewer losses overall because in those mid-major conferences like the Metro Atlantic in which Monmouth plays you just don't have those opportunities at quality wins like Florida does. As we close it out here Greg I know we uh the the bracket has not been filled yet and uh no one actually knows what teams are actually in the tournament but you know when the bracket is set what four teams do you think are very dangerous and could possibly be in the final four in this year's tournament? I'm going to go no doubt Michigan State. You never underestimate a Tom Izzo coach team of March. It's just a rule. I mean, I don't know what it is about Michigan State, but every single year they seem to put it together. Looking here in the SEC, I think Kentucky is one of those teams. We saw it in 2011 when Brandon Knight led Kentucky to the Final Four. That team nearly lost to Princeton, actually, in their first-round game when Princeton was a 13 seed, but Kentucky was able to make that run. And then obviously in 2014, they were an eight seed that made it all the way to the national championship and came up just a little bit short against UConn. So Kentucky is certainly another team that I look for. Kansas, that's a very obvious one because they are the top team in the country. They are, in my opinion, the deepest team in the nation. Devontae Graham really coming into his own as a guard. I like what Wayne Seldon brings to the table. Perry Ellis has been playing like a monster. So I look at Kansas. And then if we're going to go off the beaten path just a little bit, I like what Utah's done. They got, they got just absolutely hammered against Oregon uh, a couple nights ago. But at the same time, this was a team that had won nine straight games. Jacob Podol is a really nice player. This is pretty much the same Utah team that went to the Sweet 16 last year. Only they are without DeLon Wright from last year. Brandon Loveridge is a really good player down low. And then when you take a look at it, they are putting all the pieces together. I still remember the last week of the regular season, they were playing against Arizona State. They led Arizona State to start that game by a score of 30-2. to two felt like I was watching a football game, so I think that Utah could be a team that is a little bit dangerous and has a chance to make a Final Four run. Greg, we've got a few more games today, a few more conference championship games to go today uh, in, the, in the Big Ten and then also um, in the American, so good luck uh, on your bracketology coverage. I'll let you get back to work and uh, have fun covering all the games in the tournament. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. All right, thanks, Greg. That is Greg Peterson. He is a nationally renowned college bracketology expert.
surrounding college basketball. It's always good to have Greg Peterson on the show. All right, that just about does it here for the third edition of the March Mania Show podcast. Looking forward to uh, seeing who wins the rest of the conference championship games today and looking ahead to Selection Sunday, Selection Show, starting at 4.30. And also one more sponsor to talk about. Don't forget, log on to NCAA.com to keep up with all the latest news, scores, players, and stats Log on to NCAA.com. You can also order and buy tickets to sporting sporting events around the country on NCAA.com to watch your favorite college team compete to win a championship at the highest level. NCAA.com. We'll have more next, uh, next week with the March Mania Show podcast with the fourth edition.